Good morning. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. I know some of you still have the turkey hangover, so you're a little sleepy this morning. That's all right. Let's be honest. How many of y'all, by show of hands, ate way too much over Thanksgiving? Quick bit of honesty. I know some of you are probably lying, but that's okay. Um, I always tell myself every Thanksgiving that I'm going to have a little better portion control, and I, I, I never do. Um, but I'm ex- so excited to be able to stand up here and preach the Word of God this morning, not only here at our Noonan campus, but also at our LaGrange campus. I get to be in LaGrange every other week leading worship, um, and I get the privilege every now and then to speak, and I'm so excited to have this opportunity. And LaGrange, I miss y'all. Let me tell you this, Noonan. When we ask you to welcome LaGrange and cheer for them, we can really hear you down LaGrange. So on the count of three, I want us to all give LaGrange our loudest cheer and welcome, all right? One, two, three. Yeah. Welcome, LaGrange. We are so glad you're here. Join us for our first Sunday of Adventus. And man, it is going to be just a great day. And I do hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you enjoyed time with family or friends. And I want, I want to tell you this. This is truly from, from my heart. I am thankful for a church that has such a clear vision from God. I'm thankful for a church that is one church in two locations. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of you who make up the body of Christ and who make up what we call Southcrest Church because God is doing something amazing in our church. I truly believe that. I was standing over here worshiping just a second ago. It's so neat for me to be able to stand and worship uh, with the team when I'm normally up here. And man, to, to see the joy and passion that flows through all of you is amazing and is encouraging to me. You know, we said this earlier, but it's hard to believe that it is Christmas time. I feel like we were just at Christmas last month. I mean, time is flying by. I know many of you warned me, once you have a kid, time goes even faster. I should have believed you. I didn't. I'm sorry. But time is flying by. I feel like we were just at Christmas just a few months ago. But it is November 30th, and sometimes it's hard to get in that Christmas spirit, kind of get that Christmas feeling, because today you're going to go home, and you're going to open your fridge and find three-and-a-half-day-old leftovers, and you're going to decide if you should eat them or not. It still feels like Thanksgiving. You're going to look at the potato salad that's been sitting out for three days and go, is this still okay? If you have to ask yourself that question, just do yourself a favor. Don't eat it. I know some of you are actually still repenting over the, over the person that you pushed over at 4 a.m. in the morning to get the Elsa Frozen dolls on Black Friday. Another show of hands, let's be honest, how many of y'all stood in line at just a ridiculous time in the morning to get something on Black Friday? Anyone in here? A couple of y'all. Wait, I saw, I saw a man's hand go up. That's not okay. I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> I have never stood in line for Black Friday. My goal is to never stand in line for Black Friday. There's this thing now called the internet. It's 24-7 and prices are close to the same typically. Um, But nowadays with social media, I'm scared to go out on Black Friday. I was seeing some tweets and some Instagrams and things posted that I was like, yikes. These people look like they've been up for like 72 straight hours, hadn't taken a shower in days. They're like bloody. I'm like, why are you bloody? It was Toys R Us. All right? But I'd be be afraid afraid that someone would like post something about me. Look at who Caleb just pushed over trying to get to the half-off Cheetos or something. So... But thank goodness it is time for Adventus. 
Adventists around here at Southcrest is something that we look forward to, that is just a huge celebration for us. You know, everyone kind of has traditions around the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, and for us here at church, our tradition is Adventist. You may be asking yourself, this might be your first time here. Maybe you've never been to the Christmas season here at Southcrest, so let me explain what Adventist is. Adventist is the Latin word meaning the coming of Jesus. Maybe you've heard it as Advent. There's many churches that celebrate Advent. It's the coming of Jesus. So this is the season where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that he came to this world as a baby. But we also celebrate that he is coming again. You see, there's actually a first Advent where where Jesus was born in the manger, the story we're going to hear about multiple times over this season. And then there's a second Advent that we are all in actually right now as we are waiting for Jesus to return. That's something he promised us. When he left this earth, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will return for you. So we're actually in the second advent right now. And Adventist for us is kind of a way to slow down that celebration. So many people, you know, just celebrate one or two days during the Christmas season, Christmas Eve and Christmas. I know some of you are like, I wish my in-laws would only celebrate one or two days. Uh, They come for a week. I'm sorry if that's a problem for you, but we want to slow it down to where every Sunday is important, every Wednesday is important, every life group you meet in is important, and that we place the right significance on the fact that we are waiting on Jesus to return. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge each and every one of you, whether you're here in Noonan, whether you're in LaGrange, whether you're going to be watching this online later, I challenge everyone to make a commitment to be here for our entire Adventist season. It's not that long. I know some of you might be traveling. If you're traveling, you can watch it online. But see if you can keep that commitment to be here, because I truly believe that during this Adventist season, lives will be changed. I think so many people chalk it up to, oh, we're going to be just celebrating and and doing these crazy, goofy things, which we do some awesome stuff around here. But let me tell you this. We celebrate Jesus. And the fact that Jesus came to this world for us. And any time we put that importance on Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, lives are changed. So I believe through this time that marriages will be restored, that families will be healed that our kids are going to fall in love with Jesus and his word. Let me tell you right now what they're experiencing. Our kids are experiencing something right now that we're calling Bethlehem. I didn't say that wrong. Bethlehem. Each and every week, there's going to be different live bands over there that represent the people that encounter the baby Jesus. So right now, we have a live band over there called the Mary Marys. Yeah. How awesome is that? The Mary Marys. It's an all-girl band. It's a rock band. And it's Mary talking about how she was told that she was going to have the Son of God. How cool is that? I believe kids will be forever changed and families will be impacted through this series. So I don't want y'all to miss it and I don't want your kids to miss it. And this is also just such an incredible time to invite a friend. Statistics tell us that if you invite someone during the holiday season, they will most likely say yes. So take the challenge to invite your neighbor, to invite a coworker, someone to be here. Will you pray with me and then we're going to jump into this. Jesus, we love you and God, we come today celebrating who you are. We come celebrating that you came to this earth for us. You saw us in our need, you saw us in our sin, and you didn't want to live a life separated from us. You wanted to come and be with us. And so God, I pray today, Lord, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth will be of you. 
God, I don't, I don't want people leaving here today thinking anything else than I encountered Jesus. That's what I want them leaving here is I encountered the Son of God and he changed me. Right now, will you actually just pray this to God? Ask God, say, God, open my ears so I can hear what you want me to hear today. Ask him, say, God, give me a mind to understand everything you're teaching me today. And ask him this as well. Say, God, give me a desire to allow your word to challenge and change me. Jesus, we're ready to hear from you today and be changed. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So what I want us to do is I want us to go back to one of the first times we hear about the coming Messiah, about the birth of Jesus. If you'll look with me, we're going to go back to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I believe the Bible preaches itself. And so I'm going to be using a lot of scripture today. A lot of verses from the word of God. Because this can do a whole lot better than I can. And so I hope you're taking notes. We're going to have some verses to write down, some points to write down as well. So let's start with Isaiah 7, verse 14. It says, All right then, the Lord himself will choose the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Names are important nowadays, but let me tell you, back in Bible times, names were really important. You were given a name to represent your family or whatever you were supposed to do in life. Names were very important. And so I started researching Emmanuel some more. God is with us. But then I also looked at this story. Because in chapter 7, this prophecy is given to a king named Ahaz. And as I was reading the story and really studying over the past few weeks, I started to ask myself the question, all right, who is Ahaz? What has he done? And why does he deserve to hear this prophecy? Let me give you a quick background on Ahaz. It's not, he doesn't have a long portion in the Bible. Because he was one of the most wicked kings in the Bible. It says that he worshipped pretty much any and every god he would see, it says one time he went to another province, saw an altar he liked to a false god, thought it was so cool and pretty that he got the blueprints, seriously, sent it back, and they built the same altar for him so he could worship that false god. It also says that he sacrificed one of his children to these false gods. And I was like, why in the world would God... Send this prophecy, the greatest prophecy of all time, that the Messiah is coming, Emmanuel, God with us, to Ahaz. Really? I mean, I would have waited for a better king, a more godly king. Ahaz was taking Israel down the wrong path. And so I looked at, what does Ahaz's name mean? This is what Ahaz's name means. It means to grasp at. To always be trying to find something. You see, Ahaz is a lot like the world we live in now, that we're always grasping at something. He was always trying to grasp at other gods and bring them to himself, to fill himself with pleasure, to find something that would make him feel good. And think about this. 
The man who's always grasping at something, God sent him the prophecy that said, you don't have to grasp anymore because guess what? I'm sending God to be with you. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. But Ahaz didn't get it. It said he spent his whole life trying to find pleasure in other gods when God was saying, I'm coming to be with you. I'm right here. Hold on to me. Quit grasping at other things. Hold on to me. Names are important. Let me tell you this story. My grandfather is one of the most godly men I know. I love my grandfather. When he was born, his parents really didn't know much about the Bible. But my great-grandmother wanted my grandfather to have a Bible name. So in the hospital, once my grandfather's born, she grabs a Bible, she tells everybody, the first name I open up to and point to, we're naming our son. There's some crazy names in the Bible. Do not do this. All right? Because look, my great-grandmother opened up the Bible and points to Ahaz. My grandfather's name is Ahaz. One of the most wicked kings in the Bible. Don't you think she'd go, give me a second, let me read just a few verses. Ahaz sacrificed his own child to, no, no, okay, no, let's do this again. (laughs) Habakkuk, no, not doing that one. I mean, you think she would have thought through that a little bit more. But God did think through it. He knew that the greatest thing he could give his people was Emmanuel, meaning God with them. You see, this prophecy, this is what we're talking about today, is the prophecy Isaiah gave to the people. This prophecy wasn't of a king, wasn't of the man named Jesus coming who was going to be a distant dictator, who was going to be this ruler with an iron fist. This prophecy was of the King, of the Savior, of the Messiah who was coming to be with His people. That is awesome news. That is incredible news for us. As we talk about the prophecy today, I know some of you are probably thinking, prophecy, man, is it going to be talking like the movie The Matrix and all these other prophecy things? We kind of have this warped sense of prophecy And some of you are probably thinking, I've got some prophecy for you this holiday. Here's what's going to happen. Over the holiday season, our family's going to try to do a Christmas card. We're going to get all of them back and realize that one of our kids always looks constipated in every single picture. One of them looks like I just vacuumed up his favorite toy, and I'm not smiling in any of them. Then, my office... Christmas party is going to get way out of hand when they play Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, and I'm going to have to try to erase that from my memory. And then my in-laws are going to come into town, bring in a little chihuahua, and he's going to leave his own little version of little Christmas presents around the house that I have to clean up. We all, I mean, seriously, you think prophecy sometimes is like that. We had some people prophesy over me and Lauren last year. We had been saving for years to do our dream trip to Hawaii. No joke. We had someone come up and say, I'm going to prophesy over you. You're going to come back with a baby. Really? Really? That's going to be your prophecy over Hawaii? Guess what? They were right. (laughs) We came back with a baby, named her Hawaiian name, named McKenna. All right? No more prophecies for us for a while. All right? No more prophecies. 
But we kind of have this warped sense of prophecy. And what I want to say today is I want us to understand this. Prophecy is really a promise. Prophecy is really a promise. And God is a promise keeper. He does everything he says he is going to do. We, we really do live in a world where so many people just say, I promise, I promise, I promise, and throw it out there. From politicians to, to sports teams. I promise I'm going to do this if you elect me. Or I promise we'll win this game. And it really doesn't hold the power that it used to. Do you remember growing up? You didn't know any better. If you told your friend you promised, you would do it. Then he started to learn. Then he started to put some collateral in there. I promise I'll do this. If I don't, you can have my favorite action toy. But then the greatest promise of all, the pinky promise. Who knew so much power was held right here in this pinky? But that's how we think of promises nowadays. Some will say, man, I promise to do this. And you kinda, we kind of, or at least I do sometimes, I kind of just pass it off and go, I don't know if that's really going to happen. God, when he makes a promise, he means it, and he is a promise keeper. He first promised a coming Messiah, and he kept his promise. And now he's promised that Jesus will return again for all those who believe in him. And we're living in that promise today. You see, as I was studying, I realized something incredibly cool that made me just read the entire New Testament totally different. After Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he ascended into heaven. All of the people in the New Testament are living in the same promise that you and I are living in today. They're living in the promise, the return of Jesus so it made me rethink and reread how I read Paul's writings and some, so many of these other New Testament passages. And that's what I want us to look at today. Is I want us to look at some things that God has promised us. Because you see, God didn't just give us this big promise of Jesus returning one day and then leave us and expect us to be able to make it there. God has given us promises to help us reach the promise. And I started finding all these promises as I was reading through the New Testament of how people were living for the return of Jesus, the second advent. And so I want to encourage you to take notes today. I've never done this before, but all of my points actually start with P. I don't know why. That's just how God showed them to me, so maybe it'll help you remember them. But let's look at what we can learn about the promises of God. The first thing is there is a purpose and the plan, and the promise. There is a purpose, and a plan, and His promise, and He created you to be a part of His purpose and plan. You see, every single one of you in here today is created with that same purpose and that same plan. Every single one of you. Let's look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece he has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. There is a plan in the promise, and you are part of the plan. I don't care if you're a middle schooler in here or you're 100 years old, you are part of the plan. If you are alive today and on this earth, you have a purpose and a plan to reach the promises of God. And just like any plan... Whether we like it or not, every plan takes preparation. 
You see, for the first advent, the coming of Jesus as a baby, it took preparation. And with this second advent, as we are waiting, it's going to take preparation as well. God was preparing a way to be God with us, Emmanuel. And now he's preparing a way for Jesus to return again. You see, that is the hard part of kind of planning and waiting for your purpose and listening to God is the patience and the waiting that comes with it. We're in a world that hates the wait. We do have the internet. We have our phones that everything is right at our fingertips. We want it now. We have overnight shipping, which blows my mind. How can a package from across the world get here overnight? I don't know. But I hate to wait. For example, Lauren and I dated for three and a half years. Spring break, our senior year in college, I asked her to marry me. I remember the next day we're talking. All right, when do we want to get married? And I was like, June. And she's like, what? She's like, you realize I have the perfect wedding in my mind. I can't pull that off in two months. I was like, I want to get married now. And then she throws out like some crazy date, like October. I'm like, not going to happen. And then we finally land in August. You see, the Israelites had to wait 700 years from the prophecy of Isaiah to the birth of Christ. That's nothing. I felt like I had to wait 7,000 years to get married. All right? What with our daughter McKenna? Parents, you understand this. That first time you see your baby, you see the little picture, and you're like, how was that a baby? I was like, I want to meet her now. That was the longest nine months of my life. And I wasn't even pregnant. (laughs) Women, y'all are rock stars. All right, I know y'all's nine months was a whole lot longer than our nine months. But waiting can be tough. And sometimes it can be hard to find our purpose and our plan in the promise. You're trying to find the right job. You're trying to make your finances work. You feel like nothing's working out for you. But let me remind you, we all have a purpose and a plan in the promise. And in your season of waiting, whether you're waiting for results from the doctor, whether you're waiting to hear back from a job interview, whether you're waiting to finally heal a relationship that has been broken forever, in your waiting, remind yourself, God has a purpose and a plan for me. In the same book of Isaiah, Isaiah gives us this hope as we wait, as we look for the the purpose and plan. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Second thing is there is provision in the promise. I love this. Provision means to provide. That God didn't just give us a promise and then not do anything about it. Guess what? All these promises, even the promises he's given us in the New Testament of his grace is sufficient for us, that he will supply all of our needs, that he'll show us ways out of temptation, that we have salvation in Jesus Christ, that he promises us eternal life, that this is all ways of him providing for us. That's who our God is. Our God is like a daddy. As a dad, as a husband, I want to provide for my wife, for my daughter, the best I can. And God is the greatest daddy to where he's saying, guess what? I got you covered. I'm going to provide for you. I will take care of you. I take care of my children. 
There is provision in the promise. God will always provide so his promise can be completed. God will always provide so his promise can be completed. I don't know about you, but has someone ever promised to do something? You think, yeah, there's no way. There's no way you can do that. There's no way that can happen. You don't have what you need to do that. We don't have to think that way with God. we got to remind ourselves, this is the same God who gave a promise, and he provided. He provided by making a virgin give birth to a son. Wow! Don't think that's ever happened again. God will provide. 1 Corinthians 1, 7-9. I told you, I read the New Testament in a whole new way as I was studying for this. Check this out. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you check? Check that. You have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were waiting for God. They lived eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus. This is what they talked about so many times I found this out. He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be free from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, the second advent. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into a partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Look at 2 Peter 1, 3-5. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. He's given us these promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. They were waiting for the return of Christ. And they are encouraging people, challenging people that we have to live with anticipation for God's return. And they said right here, he'll supply everything we need. When we let ourselves get distracted by so many other things in this life, we forget that God will provide exactly what we need. Because our, our God loves us that much. Man, Hmm. I don't know what your situation is. You may be struggling financially. You might be struggling with your self-worth. But God is the great provider. And He will always provide to see His promises come true. The next thing, there is a person in the promise. There is a person... In the promise. When someone makes a promise, you always have to consider the source. You always. And you know when someone promises you something and that person can't make good on their promise. You see, the promise of God doesn't hinge or change on our circumstances. Check this out. Because the promise of God is founded in the person of Jesus. The promise of God is founded in the person of Jesus. He is the person of the promise. He proved this in Matthew 1, 22 and 23. The story of the birth of Jesus. And it said, all this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, 
the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. The promise was already founded in Jesus before Isaiah even prophesied about it. Jesus is the person of the promise. Look at Luke 24, 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is Jesus. He said, let's look back at the Old Testament. Let me show you all the things that were talking about me. Hear this. Jesus was the proof of the promise. The proof is found in Jesus. The same Jesus who is the person of the promise as the coming Messiah is the same Jesus we worship now. So that means he is the same Jesus of the promise God has given each and every one of you. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. We serve an incredible God. And I ran across this thought, and I love it. Jesus is the person in the promise, and that makes us the people in the promise. We are people of promise. We can wake up every day knowing that we serve a risen God who has given us promises that will be fulfilled. We are people of promise. And I think it's time that we start living that way, that we have a God that created the universe that promised that his son would be born of a virgin and that came through on that promise. There were, through Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, did you know there were over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled? The same God that can do that can fulfill whatever prophecy he's given you. The same God that did that will fulfill the prophecy of coming again for us. He's the same God that said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's a promise from our God. Our God is a promise keeper. And he has proven himself over and over and over again. We can hold God at his word. He wants us to. We have a God who wants us to hold us to his promises. Have you ever made a promise and then afterwards you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Because someone's going to hold you that promise, that promise. And you always don't want that. God wants us to hold him to his promises. Because there's a prize in the promise. The prize is Jesus. And as Christians, we've already received the ultimate reward, the payoff for the promise in Jesus Christ. So now the question is, we have the prize of Jesus. But how do we live now? How do we live? Check this out. 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. This is Paul writing. I want to explain this to you for a second. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. You see, the the book of 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy, encouraging him to live 
as if Christ is about to return. Can you imagine how we would live if every day we woke up like Jesus is returning today? Who am I going to tell? What am I going to do? How am I going to show his love? He said, I want you to live as if Christ is returning. And it changed the way Timothy lived. Paul was encouraging Timothy not to waste the moment because there's a prize to achieve. You see, he says right there, on the day of his return, there is a prize. And each day we live for this prize. Are we living each day eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus? I think some of us are honestly scared of the return of Jesus. Like, oh, I don't know if I want this to happen. I'm not living the way I'm supposed to. I've got so many plans for my life. I want to do this, this, and this. The return of Jesus is the greatest thing we get to look forward to in life. Are we living for the prize and the promise? Here's what we need to do. Today, I want us to understand our purpose and the promise. And that we have a plan and the promise. I want us to understand that we have a God who provides for His promise. We need to know that Jesus is the person of the promise, and that makes us people of promise. And that we get to live for a prize in the promise. I was asking myself, what's the greatest thing we can do with all of this? Because God was just showing me so many things and blowing me away as I was studying about his promise. The promises we live with now to lead us to the promise of the second advent of the returning of Christ. And I want you all to hear this. If you walk away with anything today, I want you to walk away with this. Here's what we do. We proclaim his promise. We, as people of promise, get to proclaim his promise. This floored me as I was reading this and I was thinking through this filter of proclaiming the promise of God. Isaiah 6.8 says this. Then I heard the Lord asking. This is Isaiah talking. I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go for us? And I said, Lord, I'll go. Send me. Isaiah said, Lord, I will go send me. God was looking for someone to take the greatest prophecy, the greatest promise of all time to his people. Imagine this, Isaiah got to go to the people and say, the Messiah is really coming. And guess what? His name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Messiah is coming, and he's going to be with us. He got to... Share the greatest prophecy and promise of all time. And today, God is asking the same question. He's asking the same question. Whom shall I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go out for me? And today, I want to ask you, are you willing to stand up and say, I'll go, send me. I'll proclaim the promise. You know what? God has a purpose and plan for my life. You know what? God has provided for me through his promise. I know the person of Jesus. I trust that I am a person of promise in God. 
that I have a prize in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm willing to stand up just as Isaiah did in a time, in a generation where people being led away from God and say, no, I will stand up and share the prophecy that God is God with us. He's the same God that was written about in Isaiah, the same God that was born in that manger, the same God that died on the cross for our sins as he is today. That I'll do that. I'll proclaim that promise. Let that be me. Because you see, there's people around you whether it's in your home, in your work, at your school, that you get to go and proclaim. I know life is tough, but guess what? God is Emmanuel. God is with us. There's people that you know with cancer, that you know with disease, that are giving up hope. And that you get to go to and say, guess what? I want to proclaim the promise of God that God is with us. There's people that are dying and going to go to hell, but you get to go and proclaim the promise of God that he said, whoever confesses their sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. I'll go and proclaim that promise. If I know someone that doesn't know Jesus, I'll proclaim that promise. We get to take prophecy. We get to take promise because we know the promise keeper, Jesus. We know him and we get to share that. This is the greatest thing we can do with our life is proclaim the promise. So I want to proclaim the promise right now. I know there might be some of you in here that don't know Jesus. This might be completely new to you or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time but you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. And I want to tell you from personal experience, he has proven himself over and over and over again to me who he is and that he is with me. And I promise he will prove himself to you over and over again. Jesus even shared another prophecy about his life. Matthew 26, 24. He said, for I, the son of man, must die as scriptures declared long ago. He shared a prophecy about himself and how he was going to die. He died for you. You see, our sin separates us from God. That's why Jesus had to come for the first advent in the first place as a baby. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross for the penalty of our sins. We deserve to die and go to hell, but Jesus said, no, I'll take that for you. So today can be your day to say, I want to be a person of promise. I want to know the promise keeper. I want to live in this promise. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And if that's you, if you say today is the day that I want to say, Jesus, be with me. I know you are God with me. Be with me. Then I want you to pray something like this. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. As a baby and living a perfect life so that you could take the penalty for my sins and my mistakes and die on the cross. Today, I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. Help me to live every single day as a person of promise. I look forward to your returning. want to wrap it up today and show you why I'm so excited about this. I want to take you back to the beginning and let this really hit home. 
The promise of Emmanuel, God with us, is the greatest way God could show his love to the world. And so I want you to pray this now as your heads are bowed and your your eyes are closed. Say, God, thank you that there is a purpose and plan in the promise because you are with me. Say, thank you that there is provision for the promise because you are with me. Say, thank you that there is the person and proof and the promise in Jesus Christ and that you are with me. And say, thank you that there is a prize and a promise because you are with me. And I want us all to pray this now. Say, God, give us boldness. Give me, empower me, God, to go out and proclaim your promise, Lord, that you are with us. Because I promise you that when you encounter people who are feeling lonely, who are doubting, who are having trouble, who are waiting, who whatever it is, who are dealing with disease or debt, whatever it is, when you go to them and say, let me proclaim the promise of God that he is with you their lives will be changed God we stand today we proclaim that you are king of kings that you are Lord that you are Emmanuel God with us we want to proclaim it with our lives not just with our voices but Lord everything we do in our homes in our jobs wherever it is God we want to proclaim that you are the son of God who came to this world and are coming again so God we stand now